0: morning there, Danny.
1: How are you today? It is great. It is a fantastic morning. That is definitely what it is. I'm so glad we are here on this podcast
0: about Orson Welles. Thank you. Yes, I'm glad too. I saw an interesting clip of him. Well, I like all the clips of Orson Welles. I like that people are putting words in his mouth when they want to support some cause. I don't know, like whatever. I saw him in something that was like against transphobia and it's nice, because I have no idea what Orson Welles thought about trans people, but nice that we all know his voice enough that, like, yes, if he said this, it would be very powerful.
1: Well, does what's Morodi Slomarch do um, cameos? That's a good way to get around it, too. I don't know who that is. He's the voice actor for um, The Brain. of uh, Pinky and the Brain. Oh, I've never seen, seen that Pinky show, and- but perhaps. Oh, he's just an Orson Welles impression. The Brain is just an Orson Welles impression. There's oh. an entire episode where he goes, "Pinky, why are you trying to get me to sell these frozen peas?" That's my really bad Orson Welles impression. <laughs> There's an entire episode about the pea commercial. Basically, it's the it's the only time I think in the entire show they actually go full tilt into the, this is an Orson Welles joke and do mm. an episode about frozen peas. <laughs> I
0: like that you gave him a little bit of Peter Laurie like uh, that's your Orson Welles has a little sprinkle of that. And I can too. probably
1: do if I tried for Peter Lorre, it's it's probably one of those things we know. You try and sorry, I shouldn't be laughing. I just thought of something that is not something worth laughing about. I can explain what it is, but I feel like Peter or Laurie. It's like I'm if I try for Peter Laurie, I'm gonna get closer to Orson Welles. If I try for Orson Welles, I'm gonna get closer to Peter Laurie. But you know what I was thinking of? That was bad. Uh, sure, tell us all. Well, I think that the news that came out recently about Justin O'Land is awful. I believe women. I hundred percent believe there's something wrong and there's more people coming out about it. Um and yeah, it's just terrible. Um when you hear someone in power abusing their power and becoming like you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I'm kinda of uh, wondering how
0: you're gonna flip this because I think it would be a little too easy to use the word but as your conjunction. So I'm expecting like a however well or a, in this case. Maybe it'll be a well. I don't know. Well, I'm kinda of wondering what you're about to when say. When this
1: news broke, obviously I texted the people I know who watch are Trick and Morty about it. And also just people in general who, you know, this is kind of big. I feel like this is like the first really, not the first one, but in a, in a while, this is the first like big, like, holy shit. Someone who's awful is actually getting charged with something. Who's like famous other than, well, no, I don't want to get into that. Cause I have no, I, I don't think we need to talk about the other person who is famous, who was recently charged with something because I don't think we have any good takes about it. Um, it keeps
0: happening. Doesn't it?
1: Yeah. But, with um, Justin Roiland, later that night, I texted Julius and I just go, you know, I just thought about my really bad Rick and Morty impression from college for the first time in years. (laughs) Because everyone's like, how are they going to do? Because they can't, are they going to recast Rick and Morty because there's so many impersonators? But it's also like, well, maybe you just kind of have to end Rick and Morty because, like, the main creative force behind it is so terrible. But... Do you remember my Rick and Morty Impression? No. That's why I brought it up. Are you up. going
0: to audition for me?
1: Yes. Well, it was a bit I'd always do in college where I do the first I go like, alright, first I'm gonna do the Rick Impression, then I'm gonna do the morning impression. Now, before I do this, I'm going to turn down my levels because I know it will peak if I do not do if I do not turn down my levels before I say this. Okay. Your levels right, have you been ready?
0: great lately, but go oh, on.
1: Alright, well then I'll I'll bring them back. I'll bring them back. If it peaks, it peaks. Alright. <sighs> give, give me a give me a lights camera action or whatever. Or it's All a, right. give, give me give me like a slate, give me like a verbal slate like audition for
0: <laughs> All right. Uh Danny is um auditioning for the part of the abuser Justin Royland. Um we're going to see how how he can pull this off if he wants to take over that role. And um, here we are in Sunny California. It's nice. And 3 p.m. Tuesday. All right. right. Can you state your height, please?
1: Uh, I am six foot even.
0: And where do you live?
1: Uh, Definitely in the area of L.A., so you don't need to worry about moving expenses for me.
0: (laughs) Okay. Make a note of that. He did not do those parts of his slate in character. I'm worried Uh, that he's not dedicated to the part. All right, All you right. can keep going. To be clear, right. wait, wait, wait! So I don't even wait for this bit. I don't even for
1: this. I am not a just auditioning to replace Justin Roiland. He <laughs> can go to jail or whatever the authorities decide to do with that. Well, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm I... <laughs> a little amazed
0: by that because here we are at the auditions to replace Justin Roiland. I'm here to replace you're the me...
1: iconic cartoon characters Rick and Morty. Okay. Okay. So. Can I read for Rick first and then Morty and just do one big audition?
0: Um, yeah. Okay. All right.
1: Give me Give me an action, then I'll go.
0: All right. Um, action.
1: Hey, 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 Morty. Morty. Yeah. I am a uh, uh, crazy idea. What is it, Rick?
0: <laughs> All right,
1: cut. Thank you.
0: Um, yeah, lots to think about.
1: That was always my dumb bit in high sc- in college. When people would be like, when Rick and Morty would come out of the parties, I'd be like, hey, I have a really good impression of Rick and Morty. And I'd always do exactly that. Because I think my Rick is like the average college bad impression. But you can tell it's trying to be Rick impression. But then the joke is, this is me explaining the joke, why I thought it was so funny. But it always would work. And hopefully everyone listening who never heard this bit before laughed at it. But the Rick is average to okay to good, whatever you want to call it. But then the Morty is just like a demonic Morty plus, <laughs> and it sounds absolutely nothing like
0: <laughs> Yeah. It's a yeah. good bit. Don't you think it's a good yeah. bit?
1: I, I, it's one of my favorite bits I did in college.
0: <laughs> in, incredible, really. I think you'll, you'll get the part. Mm-hmm.
1: Anyway, welcome well, to Looking for the Ocean, where we watch everything Pixar has ever made. That includes features, short films, tech demos, and more. What can we learn about movies and ourselves from one of the most financially successful and influential film studios of the 21st century? I'm Danny Vincent. And as always, I'm joined by Mark Young. Huh? Yeah. What's your Rick and Morty impression? <laughs> That's My Rick and Morty impression? I never
0: really watched Rick and Morty. I would never was much of a into Rick and Morty. Fan. I
1: I've watched like four episodes of it, and then I was kind of like, not for me.
0: Yeah, um I mean, I do. There are like moments from it, like this. Everyone talks about the screenplay episode, and I think I watched that because I was nervous that it would call me out for something, so I had to check that out. And that's actually, I think, where I got that idea that like you shouldn't start with a flash forward and then do a flashback. It was something I don't know if it was like a Dan Harmon quote or whatever. But the idea of like a story being linear has been very intriguing to me. Um, I don't know if, just, I don't know. It seems, now that I've noticed it, it seems like no one does that. Like pretty much everyone just starts a story whenever they want and then jumps around as it's interesting. But it's in, it's. I'm know, the worst in, at intriguing. telling stories. We know that hmm?
1: here. I'm the worst at telling stories. I'll be like, well, this happened. Oh, 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 oh I forgot about this. Which is why I never write.
0: You're the only one who. Well, okay, I see. This is a bit we're doing. Um, oh
1: wait, what am I the only one who does? No, I'm curious where that was going to go. Because you're the be one who, who
0: writes stories here. You're a published playwright. No, you're not. Well, you're published. not actually published. I, I but am like, a
1: performed playwright. You are. A you're an in
0: demand playwright. You're a professional playwright. Actually, it's You've true. Been paid.
1: I was recently contacted to say, "Hey, do you have any ideas for a Christmas play?" And I was like. Uh, not immediately, but hey, I know Sherlock Holmes and Winnie the Pooh are in the public domain, so give me a couple months and I'll think of something good to do about. <laughs> Bruh, did you, you should
0: have just said, yes, I've got one. Give me a week.
1: <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, well, no, I was told it wasn't going to be, it's not a rough, it's this, okay, it's the same guy who I did Maria Kent for, and he's like, yeah, sure, I'll give you some time to think of it. I would want it to be good. I'm like, great, cool.
0: Well, thank God. Better. Yeah, because if
1: someone knew, I'd probably be like, "Yeah, yeah, definitely." Let I me mean, give, give, give me. Yeah, you know. But if it okay, if it's someone who I already worked with, so it's like, yeah, you can give me some time. Great. Um, yeah, that'd
0: be great if you had like a Sherlock Holmes Winnie the Pooh crossover.
1: Yeah. What else is in the public domain recently?
0: Oh, Metropolis is in the public domain.
1: I so, don't know Metropolis well enough to do it.
0: Oh exactly. man, that was one of the coolest. Isn't it a Wonderful Life in the I public domain?
1: Isn't that why it's like always um, available to watch?
0: I don't think it's in the public domain and I'd be very surprised if it Is was it's Is it His Girl Friday that's like, in the
1: public domain? I should remake His Girl Friday but make it a romance between Sherlock Holmes and Winnie the Pooh.
0: Yeah. How would that go?
1: It would be... See, see here's the bit. You expect it to be different but I just copy the screenplay word for word <laughs> but have the, have the byline Winnie the Pooh and Sherlock Holmes delivering <laughs> the Oh, but the cop yeah. can be Piglet. Cops I guess piglet. it is in
0: the public domain. So there it's you a go. It's Wonderful Life or Bishword yeah. Friday? It's A Wonderful Life is in the public domain.
1: Awesome. Well, Clarence is going to be Sherlock Holmes. And then. Or, actually, the honestly, is like... it's a, Well, I, I bet you there has been like a Winnie the Pooh It's Wonderful Life parody at some point. Like canonically from Disney. I'm sure it has happened. Mm-hmm. It's a stock plot line. Maybe that's why so many cartoons. Maybe that's why Shrek 4 did it.
0: Have a Sherlock Holmes plotline, or it's a Wonderful Life plotline? Plot
1: I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Sherlock Holmes popped up in a Shrek movie either. I, d-
0: I don't think I've seen Shrek four, so I'm not like <laughs> Shrek
1: four is the the second worst. Mm. Well, I guess third worst if you count the Puss movies. So yeah. I guess it's mid tier.
0: Yeah, I, I I wouldn't know. I'm I don't know if I'll get around to seeing The Last Wish, but on my well, radar.
1: I have to say this. I just published a letterbox list this week titled, well, I'm not going to read it, the title, because I don't care. But the basic gist of it is 2022 movies that I really like, but their fan bases are so obnoxious, I kind of wish I hated them. And they're that everything like all an at once. evil list. It's everywhere I want in Puss in Boots. It's every. <laughs> the fan I'm bases sorry, both I can't support you. They're bad in this fan endeavor. bases, Mark. They're bad fan bases.
0: Okay. The Puss in Extricate Boots, Boots fan base.
1: Okay, well, everything everyone wants is kind of self-explanatory. You just need, like, literally, the director had to go on Twitter and issue an apology for the fan base saying, and saying, hey, guys, knock it off. It's really weird you're doxing these film critics because they didn't include my movie on their, their greatest films of the year list. <laughs> it's really weird. Well, I had like, no don't idea about any of that. <laughs> Please don't do that. Um." <laughs> um mm. And the Puss in Boots fan base is just like, oh my god, they won't shut up about this movie. And it's not like it's not like the type of thing... Okay, here's the thing. I'm a big fan of Avatar The Way of Water. And when I make these comments people, they go like, well, the Avatar fan base is annoying because they're bragging about their movie doing well. I'm like, no, here's the thing about the Avatar fan base. Is you put them through a decade of saying no one was going to give a shit about this movie. So now they're eating all the crow they can because they've been the above the joke for 10 years. That is extremely different to me than... Someone who watches Puss in Boots and goes, "Oh my gosh, this is the greatest piece of media to ever depict a panic attack ever," or and I'm just like, "No, the people who are watching this movie are not people who will seek out movies that feature panic attacks," or like you, like it's not even just that; it's literally just like this movie has the greatest. Like it's, it's constantly like, and I think everything in world all at once fan base has the same problem too. Is I don't care if you're a fan base that puts down other fan bases. Cause that is what I expect from toxic fandom. What I hate is this attitude of like, this is the best thing I've ever seen, and if you ask me to name other movies I've seen, I'm not going to name them. That is what's so obnoxious to me.
0: I suppose. I feel like you're asking you're asking for like a level of obnoxiousness that doesn't seem to be present in an obnoxious fan base.
1: I think the Puss and Boots fan base is so annoying. I it generally like makes me wish I hated the movie. How people are talking about that movie
0: um you gotta like turn off that part of i gotta say i've been getting more into you twitter what the, lately it's because of
1: this elon musk guy that's
0: talking. what i hear <laughs> well regardless of all the elon musk stuff i've been getting more into using twitter sort of i mean i could transfer to other social media sites and things like i that, love twitter but just because not, yeah. you know being on in, in on the internet in the winter months and sometimes you have time to go see what people are up to but like other sites, I'm actually getting a lot out of it. I only follow, like, five people that I care to know what they think about anything. And Do you have the app? Keeps, or do you just yeah. go...
1: What, what do you have, an iPhone? I have an Android. Have you got the... Um, this is what I was going to say, is I blame Elon for this, is because, for me, the recent update they have brings back the For You tab, which it defaults to, and you can't turn off the defaulting to. So... The thing about Twitter has always been to me is like, you know, I always go for my own feed and then I would go to like the, you could go to search, you look at the trending topics and it's like topics for you where it'd be like Ryan Johnson tweets and Twitter knows me well enough not to give me like things where it's like, ah, the last Jedi sucks. (laughs) It's Ryan, but you know what I mean? Or like film news tweets or the Toronto international film, like, you know, like it's chosen for you topics. And I'd always screw mm-hmm. for those. Those are gone now, I believe. And now the only thing I can do is the For You thing. So inherently, I just start going there. And it's like, I see these things where it's like, oh, yeah, Post-In Boots is incredible. What a what a phenomenal feature. <laughs> and I'm just like, just shut up about this movie. It's good. Well, yeah, Stop it's, pretending it's amazing. That's the problem is you're
0: interacting with people that you hate. I go on Twitter and I open up my, like, well, the five people, people that I can Hmm? Sorry, go on.
1: I just think animation Twitter in general is, like, the worst part of Twitter. Twitter, But, like, why are you on... it?
0: I'm just... I don't know. This is not how I I'm use not, Twitter. Okay. I go on, I'm and I'm like... I'm not going on to be like, what does some rando think about some topic that I care about?
1: Look, I cannot
0: abide that.
1: I mean, a part of it also, though, isn't scrolling. You need to remember also I'm in a group chat where people share these tweets. And not necessarily mm-hmm. dunk on them. Sometimes to agree with them. And I, I just think it's so funny. Sorry. I, I get what you're saying, Mark. But I'm addicted to the internet, so it's probably not probably it's going to be solved anytime soon but this is fine the other thing to me is I send this to people and they're like well where's Doctor Strange and I'm like what What are you talking about like Wanda stands are so annoying I'm like no that's different I can deal with people saying like this is my favorite character she could crush all your favorite characters cause that's normal to me like that is something that's always been a part of like fandom on the internet that someone's like this is my favorite character she- Wanda was right to like try to kill people you know like it's just a part of the inter- it's just part of fandom this trend of people being like, "This movie's great. I don't want any suggestions for our movies because I know this is the one. More people need to be talking about this, even though it's trending every single day. It's just like, get off of it. And it's more. I'll be very honest. As someone who is a huge Everything at, Raw at Once fan, it is my favorite movie of last year. Uh, and I do think the fan base is annoying. I can tune that out way more than I could tune out this Puss in shit. I'm sorry. The Puss in stuff is just everywhere to me right now. And it doesn't help that some people I follow retweet some of it. And I'm just like, I want to unfollow you. Because you are retweeting this stuff where it's like... Because it really is just that tweet where it's like, this panic attack is so beautifully rendered. And I'm just like... Ooh, like I, this is nothing new. <laughs> like they might be using the new language of calling it a panic attack, but I have seen this before in multiple animated movies. I've seen this before in normal movies too. And I say normal movies. I know this is a podcast where we talk about animated movies, but to me, it's just like it's kind of like this whole <laughs> Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I am really and this is me going back to my my and nemesis this award season. Which, if you remember, most people's nemesis is the whale. Mine is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Oh, I thought it was Cate Blanchett. No, because Cate Kate Blanchett is kind of my nemesis, but it's also like, she's good. But also, I think Cate Blanchett, the vibe I get from Cate Blanchett is honestly, she kind of, I feel like she doesn't want to win. Like, and I kind of respect that. Like, she ditched the Globes so she didn't have to give a speech that night. And her speech at the Critics' Choice was kind of like, wow, guys, another one for the shelf. I don't know why you're giving this to me. So it's, to me, it's kind of, like, I, I get the vibe that she's like, she kind of doesn't want to win. She's campaigning the movie, you know what I mean? Because she has to press for the movie. But I don't think she really wants to win, which I kind of respect. Even though I still think she's probably gonna win, I'm gonna get mad at her. But no, no, no. The villain to me this award season is Guillermo del Toros Pinocchio. And the reason why is one, I think the movie is. I think it's fine. It's a 7 out of 10. I, and it's very rare I'm being honest about this movie, because anytime someone talks about this movie, I'm like, it sucks. Because it gets the ending gets me really mad. I think the ending is terrible and also it's just it's getting so much unlike Puss in Boots where I'm like no this is still really good the praise for Pinocchio to me is just like I, I just don't get it at all I'm like it's fine it's kind of like Banshees and Inesheron I had a similar response to but difference of Banshees and Inesheron is un- I, I. it really comes down to this okay if Guillermo del Toro believes that animation is cinema which I fully believe he does um but He believes that animators deserve just as much respect as live action filmmakers do. What he should have done, and I've been saying this the entire awards season, is if you want to put out Pinocchio this year, you can, but you should be campaigning more for the guy, the animator, Henry Selleck, who made a stop motion movie that took him 13 years to get the budget for, rather than you, who's been doing this on the side for years and don't have to worry about it. And this whole thing where he's like, he's going up on stage going, animation is cinema. I'm like no the only reason your movie won is because you put your name in the title because that's really the fact of it is that like i'll i'll be very honest here's the here's a do you know what is nominated at the producer's guild awards did i send you this for best tv movie
0: no i have not seen what the producer's guild nominated for best tv movie
1: they've nominated the zemeckis pinocchio which I can almost guarantee you is because I thought it was the Del Toro Pinocchio. And they saw, Oh, Pinocchio, that's an option. I'll vote for that. It's Del Toros. And I le- it's just I'm sorry I know you haven't seen it, but it's like everything actually, the songs in it. You have? You yeah, I'm
0: actually it? working through it. Um, I think
1: those I do don't you think the songs are fucking terrible?
0: I do. Actually it's the it's actually amazing. So- I didn't want to like interrupt you, but like <laughs> it is I I think Pinocchio would be, like, top del Toro for me if not for the songs. I fast-forward through them. Um, The
1: thing, my villain origin story, which is going to get worse once the actual Oscar noms are out. By the time this episode is out, the Oscar noms are out, so you will find out I've become a supervillain yet. But my beginning of my villain origin story this award season was when the shortlist for the songs at the Oscars came out. And nobody like you from Turning Red was not on it, but Ciao Papa from Pinocchio was. And I was just like, excuse me? There is one good song of Pinocchio, and it's definitely not this dumb one about the kid just going, Ciao Papa, Ciao Papa. That song sounds like the type of, it sounds like, so there's Johnny Johnny Yes Papa, and then there's the ripoff version of trying not to get DMCA'd by the people who actually make Johnny Johnny Yes Papa on YouTube. That is, that is what Ciao Papa is to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like they just took the Alexander Desplat's normal music and put lyrics over it. And it gets so and it kind of just, has the that. The
1: score is so good too. It's like, why is the score good? You're ruining with these songs.
0: <laughs> yeah, just, uh, just, just very bizarre. I would love to read something about how they did the songs in that film because they don't even like. Uh, they do They don't even seem to function like songs and other things. So I don't know. I'm I'm very curious about that. It seems wildly out of place but but yeah that's that's whatever. really the thing to me is
1: like the whole and I, I it really is to me and i do like Guillermo del Toro, and i think he's done so much for cinema but it's just the whole vibe of being like oh yeah animation needs so much more respect but you're not really campaigning for your animator who's at your same studio. And that's the thing to me is like that, that. Usually studios send people to campaign together. That's more. And I know Henry Selick has done some events with Del Toro, but Del Toro is like everywhere, and it's like I think Del Toro should be pushing his movie as much as his own if he really wants to say I love animation, because one he's your colleague and you guys are working together like at the same studio, and honestly the, the here's here's the real story is to me is is like living animators who don't have an Oscar who deserve one I think Henry Selleck is definitely like the absolute top of that list I can't think of another animator who's working who hasn't got an Oscar who deserves it as much as him in fact I would posit that if he does not have another movie lined up in the next three years like in production I'd say we like the animation branch should seriously talk about giving him an honorary one because he really should have one it's insane that he doesn't Mm -hmm. considering how much he pushed forward stop motion and also just like, it's just, it just gets me mad. It really does just get me mad. And it, it's just, it really, it is just like, it does okay. I'm going to also remove Henry Sock from the equation. Because I am a Henry Sock fan. Just by hating his first two movies, as we've documented on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but Del Toro is, he is, there's this whole trend everywhere. I think it started. It started before last year. It started really. I feel like with Mitchells and the Machines. That's when like these animators started really pushing it, where it's like, animation is cinema. Like that is their buzz phrase. And I see people get like mad. I remember this happened earlier this year. Some animation Twitter again. I know they're they're monsters, but hear me out. They all started bagging this review of the bad guys that was three out of four. That was like. It will entertain your kids. It's like, excuse me, animation isn't for children. I'm like, that is literally based off a book that says ages 8 to 12 on the back of it. It is for children. Just because it is entertaining to adults too, doesn't mean that you can't say this is made for children. Because it's literally based off a children's book. (laughs) And don't take everything as an offense. But moreover, also, it's like, if animation is cinema, why are we only treating Guillermo del Toro's animation as cinema? Does that make sense to me? Does that make sense to you? Uh, th- Sorry.
0: That- well, I think that this is kind of a snapshot in of like I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not really sure about the context that you're presenting this in because I don't dis. I don't not think that animation is cinema. And I know that anytime Hayao Miyazaki releases a film, it's like this is the greatest thing in the world. And
1: I mean, I think animation know, is cinema I too. I just think the buzz phrase is stupid. <laughs> That's really it. It's like. If animation is cinema, you guys, here's the thing. It's really, and I'll, I'll, I can get off this topic, but if animation is cinema, which it is, and I guess apparently we need to start saying that because people just think it's cartoons for babies, whatever, then the people who are in power in animation should be actually uplifting the animated films by auteurs that are smaller. Because if Guillermo del Toro wants to say that animation is cinema, why isn't he dropping like Wendell and Wilde or Mad God in every single interview about this movie? Where he's like, my movie go- sits alongside Mad God Wendell and Wendell Wilde, stuff like that. Like, why is he not uplifting these? Why is not. And actually, here's the thing is like, I actually think Phil Lord and Chris Miller do do a good job of this. Because those are also. I mean, they start animation, that's why. But they're live action filmmakers who do a lot of animation too. And when they do interviews, they'll be like, oh yeah, we saw Soul, and we wanted to get Kemp Powers on board. And I know Soul's a big Pixar movie. My point is, they don't talk about stuff that's ne- directly related to them. I'm just like, I. it's really just, it gets me mad, because these people who are like, oh man, it's like, you see this viral tweet, right? And this is a viral tweet outside of animation, where it's like, animation didn't have to go so hard this year. And these don't even have Disney movies on it. And it's like, um, it's like, Guillermo del Pinocchio, put some boots in bad guys, and then I think it's like, they usually like include uh, Marcel the Shell with shoes on it and I'm just like okay these are all very these outside of Marcel the Shell all these are incredibly mainstream movies they're not being persecuted Marcel the Shell definitely isn't being persecuted by anyone either none of these are being like bagged on by people where it's like the appreciation what, what, why aren't people being like hey check out Mad God hey check out it's really just like these people are like yeah animation can tell so many different stories and so many different art forms and then they just push the same PG rated family movies anyway like
0: uh sure i think i i think i think you want something that just cannot happen like even when you mentioned that phil lord and chris miller want ken powers from soul um like it's noticeable that in guillermo del toro's pinocchio he's using a lot of his live action regulars who uh, honestly like some of them aren't the best voice actors that's just not part of the story of that film and i think that like you know i, I don't i don't know it doesn't seem exclusionary i think that i think that Wendelin Wild was not as well received by everyone else as i think
1: Wendelin Wild wasn't seen by anyone i think yeah. Wendelin Wild never never got the marketing needed cuz netflix wanted to focus on pinocchio um i think It is bonkers to me that a movie made by the director *Night Before Christmas* and Coraline and written by Jordan Peele did not get a huger push, regardless of like the mixed. And we say mixed reception of the movie. I think it has like a seventy-seven percent Rotten Tomatoes, which is around the lines, I believe, of like um, the bad guys. It's not bad.
0: I, I just I think this is more of like a Netflix shady backrooms deal issue more than a Guillermo del Toro issue.
1: I think Guillermo del Toro has power enough to overcome a um, Netflix. I think he just wants another Oscar. That's the thing to me. I think he wants an Oscar for his pe- project, which is completely valid. But it, it's it, it comes back to the Cape Lantern thing again, where it's like you already have one, dude. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of an impossible ask. You know, how can you like, how can how can you campaign for a film that came out in the same year in the same category and just like, drop your own thing, you know?
1: I think you can, personally. I think... I see Kate Blanchett. I see... She's not... She's she's currently campaigning for Andrea Riceboro and Leslie, which is probably a joke that will be outdated by this episode being out, but it's true. She is doing it. Um, I see... Um, I'm trying to think of who else I've seen in, like, awards movies who campaign for other people. I think... Um, I can't think off the top of my head of anyone this year, but I know in the past I've definitely seen, like, you know... I think the year Minari came out. I think a lot of the actors, the other actors who were in big movies that year, were like, "Yeah, make sure you check out Minari," and like they hosted screenings, like big actors. Um, well, I guess they didn't host screenings because it was, um, COVID, well, but there's but you know not what I mean.
0: like, <laughs> a, yeah, but there's not like a, a categorical overlap if, if, like, the people I don't know what came out in the same year that Minari came out, but like if if someone in The Irishman is like, check out Minari, you know, there's not. They're not going to be, like, fighting each other for things like that. If it's, like, Netflix has two movies, both that are, like, Netflix products, you can't, like, pit the directors against each other. You kind of got to, like, settle on one. Otherwise, you're going to split the votes. I don't know. Not in the I nomination just, I just don't phase. think that, That's like...
1: That's nomination phase. You don't. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. I just... Anyway. <laughs> This will be revealed by the time the episode's. Out. We we can move on. I know I'm I'm just I'm hammering it home too hard, but um, my actual villain origin story will be, and everyone will hear will know by now when they listen to this if I'm a supervillain or not. Is if Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio somehow gets a screenplay nomination uh, for adapted screenplay? That will be my actual villain origin story. I will go I burn it's down the academy. Fine
0: screenplay nomination. It's what fine screenplay. As opposed Again, to what?
1: It, 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 Mark, it comes down to this thing where we look at a, a, a medium that is often overlooked and what gives it attention? The title Guillermo del Toro in front of Pinocchio. That is the only reason this movie would ever get that nomination because the screenplay is fine.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is, I don't know. This is my Soul beef with like every other a, nominated Soul, film forever.
1: If Soul could not ca- crack a top five original screenplay category... In 2020, the year of COVID, you cannot tell me that any animated movie since then has deserved any, because the adapted screenplay category is way more competitive this year than the original screenplay was in 2020. The animation bias is only being overcome because Guillermo del Toro's name is slapped on the movie. All right. I have one other thing I wanted to talk about. I watched The Last of Us, pilot.
0: Ah, I did not. How did it go? Was he Pedro Pascalin?
1: So, yes, he was. He was actually pretty good. Um, I say that like it was a surprise that Pedro Pascal was good on something. You no, know, he's always great. Um, my take on it in a sentence, because my brother said, "Let me know what you think of it when you watch it." And the only thing I texted in was, "My take is that television episode that shouldn't be eighty-five minutes long."
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you would. I didn't see that, but you would. You wouldn't have liked those like double-parter Game of Thrones episodes when they came out. I, I had something to, like that going
1: on. I Well, I found out afterwards. What happened was is HBO wanted to have Ellie, who's like the female lead of the show, in the first episode. But the way the story broke, and even when they were shooting it, was the pilot was not going to have Ellie in it at all. And the second episode would have introduced Ellie. And they're like, we don't want that. So how about you guys just combine your first two episodes into one? And as soon as they told me, I read that, I was like, this makes so much sense because the first 45 minutes are great. And fantastic, but then all of a sudden, all the story momentum stops and like rebuilds up again. And I hate. Here's here's my take on television that I'm sure I've said before, but probably not as explicitly. This is I. The reason I like movies more than TV, obviously, like that that is just obvious. Talking to me, I don't think I need to explain that part. But when where I think television fits in nice is that I like watching one episode at a time. And. Then letting it that digest and then watching another episode, because then you can re- it's like walk- reading a good book and like splitting up the chapters and like enjoying it that way. I do not binge television, ever. <laughs> and if I do like watch two episodes of a show in the day, it's usually I will watch an episode, then do something for two hours, and watch another episode. Um. To me, I just immediately will lose my attention in something if like the momentum restarts right unless it's like a comedy i guess a comedy is different but like in something like succession or house of the dragon or last of us um after about an hour i'm going to lose interest and sure enough as soon as that cutoff point hit i was like damn this is great and it just kept going and i was like if i had known that was a cutoff point, i would have paused it and watched the rest of the next day and i probably would have liked it way more but am Mm. i going to revisit a 50 minute episode in like the first time no what happened? Were there zombies? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean I don't I mean actually there wasn't any zombies in the second episode. Well, the second half of the first episode. I guess I should be very clear because this episode will be coming out after the second episode's out, but I've only seen the pilot, but I'm gonna keep referring to it as episode one, episode two, because first part was great, and there was a lot of zombies in the first part. Um, and then the second part happens and it's just all this table setting. And it's like okay, but like this isn't how story structure works. You can't give me a a prologue that is half the length of your episode and then just give me an episode afterwards. And I don't, like, it's very, it's very, I know it's a B problem. I know it's a 100% a B problem. If they put out these episodes at the same time, and, like, episode one and episode two and just aired them as, like, one after the other and just put them on HBO Max like that, probably be, like, more positive on the show. But it's literally just, like, I can't watch more than one episode at once. That's just not how my viewing habits work.
0: I am I am sorry that this has to be my take. I cannot be, like, so negative about stuff that I think is, you know, I don't know, man. Some some of this shit's just going to, like, going to be lost in the wind.
1: You haven't watched The Last of Us.
0: Yeah, I know. But, like, you know, uh,
1: I don't know. To me, it's, it's, it's a real issue. Because people are, like, people have been telling me for years, Danny, you should put The Last of Us. And I've always been like... No, that's stupid. I don't play video games. Here comes this show. Got grave reviews. Rave reviews. I said grave reviews. I don't know why. Rave reviews. An actor I really like in the lead. And you know what? I am totally open to finally experiencing the story. And. For capitalistic reasons. (laughs) If I want to get very dramatic about it. But it's true. The story structure of the pilot is completely fucked. (laughs) So that's that's why it's just, it gets me mad that's really it and I know it does yeah. I mean I'll keep watching and I'll probably still like the show but it's just it's a bummer to like be excited for something and to be let down and find out afterwards you could have like consumed this a different way and you probably would have liked it more I know the this last isn't time. like the Guillermo mm-hmm. del Toro thing where I was like going on a rant against a famous guy who's never going to know I exist this is, this is to me it's just kind of like it's a bummer that like these episodes are released like this well, it makes me even,
0: sad I don't know it's not even that I just like to me to me i mean you said it yourself <laughs> pinocchio is like fine and i think wendell and wilde is fine too like um but it's just like i i don't know this is it's kind sort of famous that like oscar movies and award season movies are kind of excessively fine and talking then so there are like these fine award season movies in my mind and then there are like art films outside of that And it's really not true to say that there are, like, awards movies and then there are art films, because there's a lot of overlap. But I don't think it does any good to films to, like, treat them like award season movies. I just can't, like, live in that world for so long. Um, And especially to be like, I don't know, man, if, if Wendell and Wilde is great, like, let's... I hope he gets. A, I hope Henry Selick gets a lot of money, and I hope that it like lives on, as I'm sure it will. It'll have like
1: long term well, cult appeal. See, I think that's. I think you're correct to call me out on the Oscar shit. 100. I always hate how I come up during awards season, and then later on in the like in January, I'm, June, I'm like, I don't even care about Oscars. But then awards season comes along, I'm like, oh, this and this and this. these people are annoying. These people are annoying me. Blah blah, blah. um, but. What I will say is, to me, I think with Wendell Wild and Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, I think they are intertwined. I think the marketing push for Wendell Wilde was imp- uh, inherently muted because they would rather have pushed Pinocchio and they didn't want to push both. I think Wendell Wilde was buried on the service, and I don't know anyone who's watched it who, like, I didn't like. I don't know anyone who like happened upon it on Netflix by accident. I think it was mm-hmm. very deliberately buried not necessarily towards push pinocchio but just because hey well we have other halloween shit to push we have <laughs> i swear this is not i am not going after del Toro for this we have the guillermo del Toro show to push instead you know it's like though or whatever the haunting of whatever was this year you know like whatever that show was and to <laughs> the, the, me this
0: year's haunting of whatever yeah that's a very is, good like, way of putting it it's-
1: and so, to me, it's it is it's kind of more just like the Netflix of it all, really. It's not even the award season of it all. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, man, I really like that movie. And people talk to me like I'm crazy because I like that movie. I put up my Henry Salk rankings every day. I put it as my favorite one, Wendell and Wilde. Um, and it's just like, you know, this should have been a movie that was seen. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a movie that was liked. I am finally being the minority on a movie that was seen but I really don't feel like people saw that movie
0: yeah and that's what I don't I don't think you're crazy about that and I agree with you I think I do think that there is a big audience for Wendell and Wilde that as far as I know is untapped I don't know how that I don't know how like you know no one knows the numbers but I definitely think that it's like special and people should see it even though I'm kind of like oh whatever um but yeah I get I get well, that what, part.
1: You know what did do well? The mm. Last of Us.
0: The Last of Us. That's what I hear. I know The Last of Us from clips online of like really violent action or cutscenes, and oh. that intrigues me about it. So I was kind of I was kind of wondering if that was present in the show. That's the part that I would. I don't see think it for, I'm there yet.
1: Like, okay. It, basically, what I've been told is where we've reached the show is the end of the tutorial level. <laughs> so it's oh, okay. like okay, so. Like, real stuff will start happening next episode, I guess. But also, I don't know. Like, I think I think it's going to be interesting when this show is over to see, like, what the takes on it are. Because I did see some people point out that, like, apparently there's a sequence in it that is, like, a shot-for-shot recreation of, like, a scene from the game. And I'm just kind of like, you know, if I played the game, this would actually probably know the shit out of me. But, like, since I haven't played the game, I don't even notice it. Mm. and like the whole idea of like video game adaptations are notoriously awful here's something that's being good and pushed as like the prestige hbo show but also is like getting great reviews it's got great actors in it um but you know also in a way i'm watching the first two up the the, the pilot not the first two episodes the pilot and i'm just like this is just like clips i've seen of the walking dead like i don't see what's special here people are like well the relationship between joel and ellie will become special i'm like yeah but still just like you know the dad with an adopted daughter i've what makes this special like i'm curious i I, because i feel like what makes the last of Us special is that it's a video game you know so i'm curious when this is all said and done will we actually like consider this like a special season of television or like even a like Will we consider House of the Dragon level television, where it's like, that was really fun and good, and I'm looking for the next one, where we will be viewed more like, that was an interesting adaptation of a game that was very good if you haven't played the game, but otherwise it just kind of exists as like the the 4K re- remaster of the original. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I haven't played the game also, so like, I'm not the person to ask about that. I'm just curious where the discourse will lead.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think-, I, think, I think if it does well for two episodes or so, I think it'll just get a second season you know oh well i mean um, that's not
1: what i'm not worried about getting renewed i'm sure it will get renewed i'm you know like hbo i mean we know one of is in a rough spot right now but also like it's it's probably gonna be a huge hit for them and it's a very popular game um yeah but my question is more on the the nature of video game adaptations and how there have always been bad movies it's like well here's a show that's incredibly faithful to the game are we going to start getting like faithful remakes of our like tv shows you know, like, faithful TV shows off video games? Because I know the Halo show, which I didn't watch, obviously, because I don't have Paramount Floss, on so why would I watch a Halo show even if I did? Like, I know the Halo show is, like, not great. But this mm. is, like, very, very loyal to the game. It has the original writer involved, like, as a co-showrunner. Um, so, like, I don't know. I'm just curious. I'm curious where the idea of us finally having a good video... It's really more like the idea of it being a good video game adaptation, and when we've never had one of those before, what will this lead to? In the future.
0: yeah. Well, that's kind of the the marketing push for this show, isn't it? That it is a good video game adaptation, And it's yeah, like it's, you said, it's, it's like, like so what what, what else good. is there, you know? Um, I feel like Sonic. things like... <laughs>
1: the hmm? Mario movie?
0: Yeah, well, I actually think that things like Avatar 2 are, like, air quotes, good video game adaptations.
1: Oh, I think or... Gemini Man's a great video game adaptation.
0: Is that that's what... what I'll... Oh, I Gemini mean, man. I know England what you're talking movie. about, but I couldn't yeah, say about yeah. Gemini man. Um, but like, you know, I don't know. I hope that's that's kind of another thing. I'm like this isn't actually a real conversation, you know. This is a, it's like a show outside of being a video game show. So, you know, is it a good drama? Is it a good family story? I don't know if you can like eh, analyze this. I, mean, it I as think a video the first
1: game. I mean, the first first forty five minutes shows a lot of promise of it being like a nice emotional driven character driven show.
0: Mm-hmm. And then we you get ever, to whatever
1: is considered the tutorial level of the game. <laughs>
0: yeah. Did you ever play Metal Gear Solid games?
1: No, I am not a. I am a bad gamer.
0: Mm-hmm. So. No. Well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a good gamer either. But this is kind of a tangent because it's not. It's actually the opposite of what we're talking about. It's about games which are movie like.
1: Oh, The Last um, of Us is like that, I hear. But go on. Like, the game yeah. The Last of Us.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I'm really just making a recommendation here. Some people have gone online and put together, like, compilations of every cutscene from Metal Gear Solid games into, like, three- and four-hour movies. And this might be something that you're not into, but I'm into. But I kind of... This is not related to anything. It's I just kind of recommend to anyone who's interested, if you've never played Metal Gear Solid and wondered what all the fuss is about, go online and watch these giant compilation videos because will, they're really sorry. interesting and it's like a lot of great characters if you could you know it's super super fun, but also, also like very misogynistic at times. It's such like a I it's will a, say it's, its thing.
1: But hint hint nudge nudge. Eventually on this podcast, hopefully we will cover some video game cutscenes, I hope. Really? When? Hope so. Well, there is a video. I don't want to say it because I don't want to reveal it, but I'm very excited to talk about it when we get to it.
0: Okay. Surprise. Okay. Um, yeah. Did you I have anything have, going on in your life? I wanted to mention something that I didn't mention last time about the opera that I saw. And then also yes. I messaged you that I saw Ohio State Murders with Audrey McDonald which is Oh, Adrian I didn't know she was Kenne- in
1: that actually. He didn't say that she was in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's on broad, it's, it's a big show. And I was like, okay. Oh, you know whatever. who Audra McDonald is? Yeah, of course I do.
0: Oh, well, I don't. Know. Some people she's, don't. I had she's I, an icon. Yeah, well, she was in it and it's an adaptation of an Adrian Kennedy play. Anyway, I originally wanted to like spend Christmas money trying to get rush shows to the opera, but they're really hard to get, like the Met opera. Yeah. So, I saw the Japan the Japan Society show and then this Ohio state murder thing because it was Audra McDonald in an Adrian Kennedy play. And it's apparently a play that I own and like an Adrian Kennedy reader that I've never gotten to anyway about that show script was fantastic. I hated the production, but there was an interesting undergraduate, uh, arts media studies exercise in both of the shows because they both did something where they used a piece of cloth to be another person in the Ohio State Murders play, Audrey McDonald's character has two kids, and each one is represented by a little uh, pink uh, like rag, and then she treats them like children, and that was very impressive because she really like she really went for it. And then in the note, a note from a friend, which was the opera that I saw, a scarf represents the character's mother who dies, awesome. and. It was very, I am curious about, I wanted to share this with you, and I'm curious what you think about it, because it was really revealing for me to see how they used these rags as people in both of these productions, because I thought the Ohio State Murders was terrible, and basically, these rags were babies the whole time. Like, every time they were on stage, they were babies, but... In the opera, A Note from a Friend, the scarf was also a scarf on, like, a coat rack, and then sometimes it was, like, an actual scarf, and then sometimes the actor would, like, hold it on the floor as if he was talking to his mother on the bed, and then when she died, he, like, held up the scarf and let it drop, and that was just something I... I I wonder, maybe it's that simple, but I don't think it is that I appreciated more the flowing use of the scarves and rags in the opera versus Ohio State murders because it just kind of seemed ridiculous to me, and it kind of begged the question of why there weren't children on stage versus if you use the um, the fabric for other things, then it it doesn't always make you feel like, well, why don't you just have some woman on stage playing the mother? So, I know you didn't see this, but I wonder if you've run into that, or you've seen that elsewhere because it's something that tickles my brain a lot like, how can you get the most... Out of minimal props and not make it look cheap. That's something I think is very important to think about. Um, I, won- yeah, I wonder these were if you've very seen. Very professional
1: productions, you know? Because. Hmm? Yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah, I thought you were done. Sorry. Oh, I kind of am. I hope oh. yeah. Well, I mean, I what like seeing think? stuff like that in um, big shows. I like. I feel like something not the same, but kind of similar is I remember telling my dad after i saw to kill a mockingbird with you that like yeah Scout's played by this 35 year old woman and she's fantastic in it my dad's like what why and i'm like they're gonna get a kid and it's like why would you want to get a kid (laughs) she's doing such a great performance and it's told like this cool memory play way. i am down for this i don't i don't know because it's not new i don't think it's a new movement you know i think I've never really seen theater on Broadway before until, you know, 2018. I do think it's like maybe popping up a bit more now in these plays because, you know, there's so many plays on Broadway now and you've got to keep the budget low somewhat. But I also don't think it's a budget choice. I think from what you're saying, they both sound like clear artistic choices that even though you described them for me, I can't really like assess the because I haven't watched it, but yeah, well,
0: I'm just thinking about like some, some things seem cheap some stage effects and like theater is inherently cheap. So how do you make a choice that's evocative and not a choice that makes you immediately think, why are they not doing this another way? You know, it's just an interesting, an interesting thing. We all have to think about if we're producing yeah. something.
1: In a similar and I, way, it does make me think about, um. even though you're going to be like, Danny, that's bullshit. You just want to talk about SpongeBob, but I swear it does make me actually kind of think about the SpongeBob musical. No, like, I
0: mean, the SpongeBob musical is a great example of this. Yeah. In a good way. Where it's,
1: yeah, like, it is designed, like, everything on stage is designed to look like it's made out of something. And, like, yeah. you can actually... It, it's kind of, to me, also, like... And I always... I got in an argument with someone recently. To relate it back to movies, because that's what we I do. Um, but they, we were talking about... We were talking about the Oscars, sorry. But this was, like, way... We were talking about the 2014 Oscars. And how the Lego movie was not nominated that year. And some guy was like, well, yeah, well, Lego movie animation was nowhere near as impressive as Big Hero 6 or, like, How to Train Your Dragon 2. And I'm like, I strongly disagree. Because I look at the Lego movie, and I'm constantly blown away by, like, the cool shit they get away with just using by Legos. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, the artistic limitation you give yourself, even though you have the money to do, like, something crazy. Um, like, you you see what I'm saying, right? Because that's what I think SpongeBob does. That's what I think the Lego movie does. Like, where it makes, like, the yeah. Lego water that looks mind-blowing yeah um when like the whole idea of like well it's not artistically good because you're not using like th- that doesn't use like water simulations like and i'm like i don't give a shit like it, it looks way yeah. cooler this way <laughs> or like um in spongebob where it's like um i'm trying to give like a specific example because there are so many props in that show that are cool but like or like there's like the number where it's just there's a black light and it's just SpongeBob standing at the edge of the stage, and the the chorus is just dancing with sponges that are fluorescent, but like mm-hmm. it looks really cool. Yeah, you can. And,
0: you really have the, like a storytelling quality that you can get away with if it's stylized in any way. And I don't know, it's it's a But then also, cheap, your shows really. are like more
1: dramatic too, and they're doing this like big thing with them, where it's like. Yeah. Emotionally resonating.
0: Did I ever tell you about you know Shinji Tsukamoto? Uh,
1: you might have, but re-explain because you can also. I don't think the listeners would know.
0: Oh well, that's, well, yeah, yeah. Um, so he's he directed Tetsu with the Iron Man, but he's also like one of the guys in Silence
1: incredible yes. roster okay, see, of people in th- silence there's so many people in silence i'm like oh yeah 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 that's that's what it is yeah it's so yeah, on, yeah.
0: Sil- silence is like the harry potter movies for british actors silence is like that for like japanese actors yeah. um but he like started like way long ago as a theater person and he had this theater called like uh kaiju theater and I don't think they did, like, productions of monsters fighting each other. I think it was more symbolic. But, like, I don't know, that stuff is so intriguing to me that you can you can push it so far, but in some classes you take, you're kind of encouraged not to use your imagination too far out of what's in front of you, you know, because then your performance isn't grounded or whatever. Even in a situation... Like where you have children on stage, you're not supposed to have like, you're not supposed to not have something there. You're like, you're not supposed to mime during an audition. You're supposed to have something in front of you or stand still. It's really intriguing for me to hear about even something I think I misunderstood where you have like monsters on stage. And how far can you push the limits of what you have cheaply, you know? That's just no, yeah, I, I agree. About too. That's
1: something that makes theater really special to me. Yeah. Um, and I know that sounds that sounds like a canned response, but it's like you know, I when I went to go see my play, part of my excitement was just seeing like ah yeah, let's see how you devour the mermaids on you have someone be devoured by mermaids on stage, yeah, um, stuff like that. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of there's magical, it's cool, and I I don't I don't want to talk about Darren Hansen or Ben Platt, but I do think like the artifice of the stage is something we're willing to accept more. And that's yeah. something that's really cool about it.
0: Such an old lesson that <laughs> sometimes we have to relearn every by, now and then.
1: By just shooting a mo- shooting a, a play as a movie and realizing how that doesn't just work perfectly.
0: <laughs> Very famous people did like that movie. But anyway, I just wanted to geek out about that. It gave me a lot. I love, you know... Very rarely do I see theater that I actually really enjoy. You know, it just gives me stress. But just I'm just happy to geek out about that.
1: I'm glad you're happy to geek out about. It. I'm. I hope I get hope I get a good theatrical experience this year at some point. I don't know what movie. Well, not movie, what what plan. You already to see. had
0: one though. If you saw, I mean, you liked your high schoolers.
1: That was last year. We're in 2023 oh. now.
0: Oh yeah. No, we have had we have had no good theatrical experiences this year. In any case. Should yes. we um, I don't know if you have anything else you want to talk about?
1: Nah, we can go to the letterbox game. We've been here for a bit. I, I, I went on if we've been here for an hour of me ranting about Guillermo Del Toro. Uh, <laughs> uh, Alright. The letterbox game. <laughs> I don't what? know. It's
0: I don't know. This might be this might be a little like I have one more thing that might be not cool, but I don't know. It's small, and if you don't want to talk about it, we don't have to. But I was working this gig with somebody. This is not related to anything. Okay. But I think about this. I'm, I think this I'm...
1: how you interpret this. As, you know, I not want to talk about this at all. I'm like, uh, all right. <laughs>
0: well, I don't even know if it's, like, funny or relevant or just in my own brain. But I was working this catering gig unrelated to anything, and I'm in the back in the kitchen with this one guy, and you just, you just have, like, small talk with people, and... I remember like two things about this guy, is that like he he wanted to start this conversation with me about like how his son was very spoiled and he wished that he could hit him, and then another thing he said was also he was like yeah man oh I'm you you've read Dune right I'm really nervous about the new one because like hard to top like what was that like from the '80s like how do you top the original Dune, and I was like wow. Two strikes got, with you, man. How do how do we make the how do we make this connection? I have
1: had <laughs> I, I have nothing to comment on the first one really, other than gross, but I've had a very similar actual conversation with a coworker of mine where they were like, um they're very conservative. And I often talk to them about movies and Marvel stuff, and when they were talking about Dune once, he was like no i didn't like the new doom because it wasn't as good as the one with sting and i was like huh you like that one i've never seen it he's like dude you have to watch it top 10 movie of all time i'm like all right because here's the thing is most of it, most He's like an older guy this guy's like probably late 40s early 50s um so when he says that i go okay, this is probably one of the more interesting opinions you've given me. (laughs) Like, I'm more interested by you liking the David Lynch Dune movie than pretty much any other entertainment you've given me. So now I kind of want to watch... I still have it, but when he said that, I kind of want to watch the David Lynch one now just so we can discuss it and I can figure out exactly why you like this movie. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I remember he came complaining about... um, He's very conservative. He came complaining about the strange world lgbt stuff in it and i was just like okay and then he's like no but see like i think lightyear did it really well and i was like okay interesting that you like interesting that you like you do like you're not in- immediately dismissing at all i think that i was like but okay also i don't really want to have this conversation with you anyway but <laughs> but yeah.
0: yeah i'm sort of bringing it up because like how do you like how how long do you give it to like try to find common ground? Because I'm not like I'm not gonna start any kind of argument, big or small, with this guy while I'm working with him. But like, I think after that, he was like, "So we're talking about Marvel or something like that," and he was like, "Oh man, I just hated She-Hulk. I thought it was terrible." And I, watching She-Hulk over my roommate's shoulder, I actually liked She-Hulk. So it was like three I strikes. Seen it. How many times does this have to happen before I'm like, "Man, we just like." We disagree on so much, and I would love to hear a story about someone that, like, had that interaction and pushed through and made a connection with someone they have to work with for six hours, you know?
1: Cause... I mean, as we talked about last week, my, my attitude nowadays is just, no, fuck you, fuck you. I refuse. <laughs> At this point, I've been here too long to bother caring to, like, make these connections, because you genuinely just, I don't know, like... I feel like in general, I get long better with people who don't talk to me about movies because my opinions on movies are so, like, <laughs> I, I'm so set in my ways and my takes that, like, I'll be like, uh, like, my two coworkers are giving me their letterbox. Like, they don't work with me regularly, but when I do see them, I'm always like, yo, why'd you give, um, why'd you give Glass Onion only a three out of five? What do you mean only? I liked it. I'm like, it should be higher. It was better than a three out of five. And they'll mm. be like, okay, calm down. I'll be like, Argh. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Or, like, I like my big thing right now of Avatar 2 is, like, people who are, like, I thought it was boring. Like, well, what'd you see it in three uh, 2D? I'd be like, well, I don't <laughs> completely throw your opinion out then. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> but do you tell them, like, you got to check out the high frame rate?
1: No, but I have explained to a couple people that I do think, I think high frame rate 3D is one of the hardest things to explain. Like, IMAX, huge screen, uh, Dolby, the sound system's really great, and there's a 4K projector. High frame rate. All right, so movie the human eye perceives images at about hundred, uh-huh. <laughs> like two hundred. Like you, you have to go the whole spiel of what frame rate is, how movies are typically projected. Explain how three D movies give you headaches. <laughs> you have to go for the whole spiel, and eventually it's like, yeah, it kind of looks like your TV if you put the smoother on. <laughs> that's yeah.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a tough one, but yeah, I guess we all fail at that. It's something yeah. that no one has ever solve, and will all die not knowing how to talk to people.
1: I think th- I think there are some solutions. I don't I I don't know. The question is more like I think the question is more of tolerance. If that makes sense, like how much are you li- willing to tolerate to try to make a human connection with someone? Because like for example, like the coworker who I think is like no, I don't think he, he is very conservative, and we talk about Marvel. It's like yeah, I can talk about Marvel view, but as soon as you start t- talking like. Yeah, I didn't like the the gay people in Strange World. I am immediately like, all right, well, I'm gonna go help the kids out with something, <laughs> like. Mm-hmm. But you then have so even like
0: such a nice out.
1: Yeah. Um, or like now at work, I have the new people who I just can't stand at all. Where it's like they'll try to crack a joke and connect with me. I'll be like, yeah, okay. <laughs> just completely like, I, I literally just like, mm, yeah, all right. <laughs> and just immediately just walk away. I just don't care anymore. Yeah. But I don't know. It's a question of tolerance and how much you're willing to tolerate to try to like keep sane at work. But if you have to tolerate too much, then you're going to be less sane. So, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, I guess it helps if you can like be on your phone or if you do have some way out.
1: Yeah. I'm like, I have to go play Uno. Sorry.
0: <laughs> gotta go wreck some kids at Uno.
1: <laughs> so, the Letterboxd. Game time? One, where Mark tries to guess movies based off movies that Letterboxd says we might also enjoy. So, if Letterboxd recommends Big Hero 6 and Megamine, the recommended Tad, the movie might be Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I'll start by giving you the five-recommended title. After each wrong guess of the original movie, you get more titles or another hint. I'll leave titles out of the recommended list if they have the same director of the original film or if they're in the same franchise. So, for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, I wouldn't say The Amazing Spider-Man because it's a Spider-Man movie. Nor would I say Rise of the Guardians because it's directed by Peter Ramsey who also directed Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Alright? Yes. As always, I have a list of about a month or so of movies. A bit more. And I've sorted them by most popular. So yeah, we'll do the most popular second most popular, and third most popular. Are you ready for round one? Yes. Your five films are The Little Things, Copycat, Insomnia, Memories of Murder, The Snowman, Michael Fassbender.
0: <laughs> wow, I was, I'm was. i glad that we got around to those. I was like, oh man, I'm not going to know these. Um, all right. Uh, Road to Perdition.
1: It is not Road to Perdition. Road to Perdition okay. is... See, this one is, this one is a weird one where I actually have to go... Because of most of these movies, I do not recognize the poster up. Um, mm-hmm. Road to Perdition is not in the top 25. You need okay. to guess again before you get a hint. You get two LA
0: Confidential.
1: Again. LA Confidential is not in the top 25. Okay. Your next hint is the year. The year this movie came out is 2007.
0: 2007. All right. Uh, no Country for Old Men.
1: It is not No Country for Old Men. No Country for Old Men is not in the top 25. So your next hint is. Well, your next hint is you get five additional movies. So I'll give you five additional movies and I'll recap all 10 again. Okay. So the five movies, additional movies you get are, The Bone Collector, The Pledge, Taking Lives. The Boston Strangler, Texas Killing Fields. Have you heard of any of
0: these movies? Um, yeah. I mean, I think I've heard of The Bone
1: Collector. Alright, so your ten were The Little Things, Copycat, Insomnia, Memories of Murder, The Snowman, The Bone Collector, The Pledge, Taking Lives, The Boston Strangler, Texas Killing Fields.
0: Was it that The Lovely Bones
1: not the lovely bones the lovely bones is not in the top 25 your next hint you get is the actor build number, and you haven't hit anything in the top 25 so you will just get the first build actor in this film okay yes this is going to be really fun because i'm going to mispronounce his name because i always mispronounce this guy's name but it's jake gyllenhaal oh is it prisoners it is not prisoners okay all right i'm close so your next hint is, oh, this is the final guess. Are you? Do mm-hmm. you want to? Do you want the reveal of the director? Do you want to try one more guess before I give you the director? I'm gonna guess Enemy. That is incorrect as well. Okay. The director is David Fincher.
0: Hmm. Okay. Zodiac. Yes, it's Zodiac. I didn't know. I
1: thought Zodiac was a 2004 film. Nope. It's 07. I had to remove another like film called The Zodiac, that. which came out in 2005 and also has Philip Baker Hall, which I think is crazy. But they're both in like he did two Zodiac movies in Rapid section. And I also had to remove seven because that's okay. also Fincher. That's the most popular I movie. Did terribly. Alright. When did you watch Why Zodiac? Five? Oh, this was um this was when they had a screening of it for the 15th anniversary at the cool. music box on 35.
0: Have you seen it before?
1: Mm-hmm. There is a big looking for the ocean X story about Zodiac I could drop that I don't really want to right now. <laughs> Maybe Me if it ever comes too, up again. You don't but want to drop it right now? I have seen it once before and the viewing experience was not optimal. So it was nice to revisit it and actually like take it in and actually Mm. really like it now. All right. You ready for round two? Yes. All right. Your five films. Raw. Fresh. (laughs) Midsommar. May. Let Me In. Texas Chainsaw Massacre no but wait first off which Texas Chainsaw Massacre
0: oh the OG the original yeah
1: it is not Texas Chainsaw Massacre is in the top 25 it is actually would have been in the next group of movies if you get that far so now I have to add another group of movies and have to add another movie to that one but wow. yes uh, Texas Chainsaw is in the top 25 um, but it is not and now I'm adding in the one to replace it okay in the but yes it's top 25 it's not the film so would you like to guess again
0: sure is it the hills have eyes which one uh the original one
1: um it is not the original hills have eyes I'm checking to see if the original hills have eyes is in this top 25 it is not in the top 25 Mm. so your next hint you get is the year which is 2022 wow oh boy Skinamarink, Skinnamarink it's not this film. Skinnamarink is not in the top 25. So now you get the five additional films. So, I will give you the five additional films, and then I will recap it. So, your five additional films are Let the Right One In, Hannibal, Pearl, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the remake... Which is why I asked for specific, even though it was going to hit it you. Anyway, I wanted specific. Wow. And then the Hellraiser remake from 2022. So, all 11 of your movies, because I will also point out that you hit one, are The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, of which was the one you hit, Raw, Fresh, Midsummer, May, Let Me In, Let the Right One In, Hannibal, Pearl, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, and The Hellraiser remake.
0: Is it the new Scream? I might be wrong about when that comes out.
1: Well, the that new Scream is a 2022 film. It is not the new Scream. The new Scream is not in the top 25. So now okay. you will get the... I believe we're at the actor? Yes, 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 yes we're at the actor. You will get yeah. the 2nd build actor because you hit one film in the top 25. And I have a... We will see what the 2nd build actor is. Oh, okay. 2nd build actor in this movie is Timothy Chalamet.
0: Uh, is it To the Bone? Oh, no, it's Bones and All. Bones and All, yes. that's what it is.
1: It's Bones and All. And I was going to say, you were so lucky because I didn't know if he was first build or second build because if he was Taylor Russell, who's actually the movie's first build, but I don't think you know who she is. So it's like, I, I don't. Yeah. So I was like, mm, I, but you might I mean, be lucky I know about that you that got film. him.
0: Cool. How was that movie?
1: It was fine. Three out of five. I like Mark Rylance in it because he's bad in it, but he's also like enjoyable. He delivers a bunch of swears in his BFG voice. So what is there not to love about that?
0: Very cool. I'm excited right. about him playing Satan in the upcoming Terrence Malick film. I didn't know about that until last night. but.
1: Well, you know what to say about Terrence Lott? Malick movies. You don't know if anyone's in until they're out. Ah, so, uh, well. It's true. There you go. Alright, you ready for the final round? Yes. Alright. Your five films are... The Lion King, original, Frozen 2, Corpse Bride, How to Train Your Dragon 2, The Secret of Nim. I think mean, that's how you say it. I've never seen that movie.
0: That's how you say it. I've never seen it either. Uh, Five O Goes West.
1: It is not Five O Goes West. It is Five O' Goes West in the top 25. It is not in the top 25.
0: I'm going to guess American Pop. It's not that, but it's a movie that I've been watching lately, and I love it. I'm just saying American the name. American Pop? Yeah.
1: I don't know what that is, and it's not the, in the top deep, 25.
0: The Ralph Bakshi deep cut.
1: Oh Well, it's not in the top 25. Now, the year this movie came out is 2022.
0: Strange World?
1: It's not Strange World. Strange World is not in the top 25. Hmm. So you now get five additional movies. Five additional movies are... Now, I'll do the recap afterwards. Beauty and the Beast, the remake, 2017, Kubo and the Two Strings, Luca; The Last Unicorn, Finding Nemo. So all ten films are The Original Lion King, Frozen 2, Corpse Bride, How to Train Your Dragon 2, The Secret of Nim; Beauty and the Beast, 2017, Kubo and the Two Strings, Luca; The Last Unicorn, and Finding Nemo.
0: And it came out 2022? Yes. Because mm-hmm. I was going to guess the new Puss in Boots.
1: That but, also came out in 2022. If you would like to guess it, I don't oh, know what. I'll guess. Was, that. When, when did you think it came
0: out? I thought it came out like last week or something.
1: No, it came out at Christmas last year.
0: Okay. Yeah, Puss in Boots.
1: It's not Puss in Boots the Last Wish. Puss in Boots the Last Wish is not in the top 25. Hmm. So now you will get the first build actor of the film. First build actor is Gregory Mann.
0: Pinocchio? Which one? The Guillermo del Toro?
1: Yes, it is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Woo! Boy, you're remove...
0: lucky I have the Wikipedia page open while I'm watching that thing.
1: Wow. Uh, it is... Uh, animation is cinema, right? Um, and <laughs> the, um, I, had I to really leave. like
0: him in it. It's He's a... He's, a... Just,
1: he's doing... I think I have no complaints with the voice acting in Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. Um, well, no, none of the leads, at least. Some of the side characters are a little... I don't know what you're doing here. Um, but... I had to remove the Zemeckis Pinocchio, which I think is amusing that it's ranked above, of course, the Disney one, which I also had to remove. So,
0: mm-hmm. You don't like Tom Kenny as Mussolini?
1: That's not what I play the side roles. I meant like, um, I think it's John, T- whoever plays the Stranger Think kid's dad in it, I don't like him. I think it's John Turturro who plays that role.
0: If I'm right, that's actually, um, oh, what's his name? But you know what I'm talking about, right? But that's, I don't, that's the other guy. That's not John Turturro. He's got a smaller role.
1: I don't know then. But yeah, um, well, oh, it's Ron Perlman, isn't it, Ron Perlman? Yeah, Ron Perlman. Yeah, that's I don't like Ron Perlman's of. in it, even though, I, and I usually like him as a voice actor. I just don't like him in this. I don't know why. Mm.
0: But yeah, I actually, that's something I was noticing about <laughs> Pinocchio is I really, I love David Bradley and uh, Gregory Mann and they like they have that thing we're talking about in The Incredibles, where it's like, how did they like capture this thing? Not exactly to The Incredibles extent, but I'm just, I'm just glad that they're really going for it. All right, so that's well. Here we are. Game. letterboxd game. Somehow defeated. making
1: me talk about Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio again.
0: <laughs> this was uh, that was on you though. You chose that uh, for your game.
1: Uh, I didn't choose it. The algorithm chose it of Letterbox's popularity. Mm, Mark, it's always these why big corporations. We here today?
0: We're here to talk about One Man Band, which One is Man a short Band. film. Yeah, which is the weird because it has Orson two minutes.
1: Uncomplete Orson Welles film.
0: Oh man, I wish. um I like this film, but anyway, One Man Band it came out in 2006. It premiered at some festival, I think, and the I don't know why I'm doing your job Animated for film you. Festival. Yeah,
1: which what? I'm willing to bet if we actually look up a lot of these shorts, I'm willing to bet most of them actually premiered there. That's a yeah. pretty big animation festival. Yeah, all the studios go there. Yeah
0: and this is the one about two street performers who are one-man bands and they fight for the coin from a little girl whose name apparently is tippy and they are named and treble and it's very short and i really like this one this is something that i remembered very fondly from my youth so i was really glad to revisit this i think i'm curious to see what you think about it because it seems like the kind of thing that i like based on vibes and I wonder how you like it because there's not, like, I can think of one big plot moment. But other than that, it may not be what you dig.
1: Uh see, here's the thing. I went to this remembering that I actually did like it off of vibes. I remember that I liked the music a lot. And now I'm watching this, I'm very underwhelmed by the music. I think the music is fine. Really? But I do think that once the the big plot point happens where she's like, pay up. Guys, you made me lose my coin. From that point, I'm like, yeah, this has a great ending. I enjoyed this. Yeah. And you know you knew exactly it, it, what I was
0: talking about. Like it, the one time there's any like stakes and conflict, I was like, oh yeah, this is the time this short starts.
1: Yeah, but when that happens, I'm like, from the rest of, it, I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is good. And you know what? If yeah, you, you nail the ending, I probably like it overall. I don't know if I'm gonna give it a three or two point five on Letterboxd, but because it, it is kind of average for most of it to me, but it's it's solid. It's fine. It's it's fine. That's, that's really it. It's like yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it's not groundbreaking, but I prefer this too. I mean, I don't know. I I, th- I knew this coming in. I was like, I'm just gonna like this short because it's about you know Italy and it's kind of dark colors and everyone's sad, but they're playing music and stuff like that. So I'm 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 prepared. I don't know. I don't I don't feel indifferent towards it. It definitely was something that I paid attention to as a child and then growing up you wonder how you can recreate something like that because it's such a fun performing idea. I think this is definitely something that you can see as a kid and be like, Oh, I want to do that, or something like that. And you would you would love to be that expressive through art and that sort of thing. I
1: do think on paper to a child this is an improvement on Bounded. As an adult, I definitely, I think I, I, one hundred percent would rather watch Bound in any day. Um, but mm-hmm. to a child, this is like way more wacky, way more fun. But I feel like if it's going to go for the comedy, it should be bigger. Yeah, I don't think it's really that funny. Other than when like they rip off the uh, the fiddle, I think that part's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but the vibes are are immaculate, as the 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 children do say. Um, but I don't know. Like, it's hard to talk about just because it's like as well. Listening to it, it's like, what is there here? I think there is. There's the music we can talk about, it, obviously. There is the animation, obviously, because this is a Pixar podcast. We talk about animation. I think this is the first. Isn't this their first short film done in this aspect ratio? Me, the aspect ratio nerds, immediately clocks that. I'm pretty sure this is their first. Because even Jack Jack Attack is done in the 1.85 aspect ratio, despite the film being wider than that. Mm-hmm. I don't think it uses that aspect ratio much at all, this short, but...
0: I really um, appreciated that it had that handheld quality sometimes, like it, they see at the end of The Incredibles, uh-huh. which is just very fun. I was like a widescreen handheld.
1: I do think um, the animation models on the characters look a lot bigger. Um, but... I don't know. There are definitely. I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to unlock because I did think of stuff when I was watching. So I'm trying to unlock what that was.
0: Um, you didn't have dreams as a youth to grow up and be some street performer.
1: You know, I, I talked earlier about capitalism um, when referring to Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, and I do think this is um, the perfect uh, capitalist film, capitalist indictment of capitalism mm. <laughs> that we can have is there's a girl who has one dollar. Oh I remember what this reminded me of. This reminded me of Airbud. <laughs>
0: wow, what <laughs> why? Because
1: <laughs> there's a scene at the end of Airbud that's the only scene of an Airbud anyone remembers besides of course the there ain't no rule in the book that says a dog can't play basketball. Um, <laughs> But there's the ever scene at the end where like Airbud's old owner comes back and he's like, Come to me, Airbud, come to me. And then Airbud of course runs to the kid and everyone in the audience is like, Airbud jealous put the kid. And that's what it reminded me of. It's like this this a child in the middle has to pick who she wants to go to, and it's just one part. well, I guess in this I think they're both pretty creepy, but like Yeah, I don't it all reminds me of Airbud. Um But it is also like, man, capitalism, right? Girls got one dollar, and these people are so desperate for it that they're willing to fight each other for the same resource rather than being being unionizing and going after the guy who dropped the giant sack in the first place.
0: Yeah. It really turns the workers against themselves.
1: Yeah. But at the end of the post-credit scene, they learn to come together to try to get their two coins. Do you have a lot of street performers up in Chicago? Yeah. There are a couple where I definitely know where they'll always be. Like, anytime I see a show, there's always, like, the band that goes, and the Saints go marching again while you're leaving the theater. And okay. there's also, like, by my house. I actually isn't. I haven't seen him in a lot recently, recent, so maybe he moved on or something. But there used to be this drummer that was actually, like, up by my house, who I always liked. I always wanted to pay. But then I never, like, if I'm driving, I don't really ever stop, sadly. Well, I don't. It's not that I could stop. I just don't. Maybe that makes me a bad person, but, like, I just don't like ever stopping my car for anything, really. And i my aunt, my aunt would be like, oh, that drummer's there again. And I'd be like, it's good. I, compared to some of the other street music we get or the other things around here, I 100% prefer this guy who's, like, going ham on these drums right now in the park. Mm-hmm. Like.
0: Can you hear yeah, it in your apartment? apartment?
1: Mm, I mean, it'd be, like, a 15-minute walk from my apartment. It's, like, my drive home or my drive to Walmart that's, like, a 10-minute drive. But, like. If I was to walk oh. to Walmart, it would be an hour walk.
0: Well, oh, that's, that's not close at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wait, wait, asked. So, hmm?
1: Oh, so can I side note? And then we can you can explain why yeah. you asked. Because I do think there's. The other day, I was in my group chat. Like IB. And someone asked, where's the Farvest you ride shared? And it's like, the rankings were like um, 0 to 15 miles. 15 to 30, 30. And, you know, I kept going up. And I'm like, this question is stupid. It's idiotic. It's the dumbest question I've ever read because you should not measure by miles in the city because it can take me an hour to go ten miles anywhere here if I'm t- even if I'm in an Uber, like in a ride share because from here, like from my side, north side of Chicago to I believe um, any like even downtown, downtown that is fifteen miles. So and that's typically if I do ride share about an hour drive because you know you got to pick up someone else on the way. So it's like, to me, I'm like, this is an idiotic question. And the person's like, well, no, it's not. 15 miles is a lot of, uh, isn't that much miles. I'm like, no, it's, you're, you're being dumb. You, I don't care where you live. This is idiotic. That's my whole point here is like, people don't understand how miles we shouldn't measure things by miles when it comes to like travel time in the city. Just well, judge it by travel get, time.
0: Yeah. I mean, I get where that con, that question comes from. Cause I actually immediately thought of. Uh, are you talking about Ubers? Or are you talking about riding with someone?
1: Uh, I read it as a ride share, like ordering an Uber ride share or like a Lyft ride share.
0: Yeah, but like ride share means you're sharing it with someone. You're like it's not yours. Yes,
1: it's like you can ever do it. It's like an Uber pool, you know.
0: Okay, I've never actually done that, but I did. I do it once... all the time. Okay, I did Something once want. take a. No, I mean I don't know. I don't know anything about this, but I did once take an Uber like from my place out to a train station. In New Jersey, which was uh, like I don't know, it was like a fifty-minute ride, and you know you're going out to the country, and you know you can get they'll kill you and yeah. take your watch. I don't know, <laughs> I <laughs> and bury you among the New Jersey reeds or something like that. So I, I get where that's coming from, but I also I agree with you. If I was just thinking about like taking Ubers around Manhattan, it wouldn't make much sense sense to talk about distance or anything like that.
1: I will say my Uber ride short story that I said, which is the time my drive that should have been 30 minutes to the music box became 85 minutes and I ended up just jumping out of the Uber and ordering an Uber home is, um, the story before I tell it, I want to be very clear. Um, I support pride weekend, obviously I've never made it out to it actually, but I really last year I wanted to, and it just fell through my plans, but I wanted to go to the music box. This was in 2019. This was a long time ago. I wanna to go to the music box to catch do the right thing on 35mm. And I schedule it so that way I have like even with what my mind at that time, at that time, rideshare, if anything, would add maybe 10 minutes. So I schedule it so that way I'll arrive there about 15 minutes before the movie starts. Which I think should be good enough even with the rideshare. Like that that's what the rideshare accounted for. Like with me saying, alright, let me add this much time to my ride. Um The movie, I think, starts at 11.30. I finally bail from my car at, like, 12.15. And the reason why is I got in the car first. Then they went to pick up the other passengers who were going to the Pride Parade. Uber inexplicably takes us to the Pride Parade first. And the reason that's silly is because the music box is north of the parade. So the music box is closer. Also, the reason it's dumb... It's because if you drive someone to the parade and Uber does not have the parade route like in their system, the driver kept being routed to the parade lights. <laughs> and it was like, first off, even dropping these people off at the parade was impossible for like, it took an extra 10 minutes than it normally should. And then just trying to find a way to the music box because we're on the other side of the parade and the music box is on the other side of the parade. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, this is so stupid because when you picked them up, we were on the side of the music box, and it's a parade too. You come, from, you can come from a parade from either side. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's my ride shift stuff. That's weird. Yeah, you, I thought you were gonna tell the one about you, like you got into a firefight or something. Oh well, there was one Am time the cop wrong. started
1: screaming at my driver. Uh, oh yeah, well, well, that was scary. Because <laughs> mm, nah. she honked at him and she didn't know it was a police officer. Um, but yeah. Um, but what were you going to say about street performers? I
0: was just going to ask if you have them because I was thinking about like the, this isn't, the short does not really bring this up. Like you, I had to watch the short twice and kind of get some thoughts about it, but I did notice about that. Like they're very polite street performers, actually. Like I. I find I enjoy some street performances, and then the majority of them, I'm like, they trap you in your subway car, and yeah. then they'll like get mad at you if you don't pay them, and it's like sometimes I I pay them, but like, it's, I don't know. It I just I just noticed that about this film is that they seemed like very, um, I don't know, just just being out in the middle of nowhere, and then actually, like, this is very harsh, like, actually trying to play better to get someone's attention to get their money versus what people normally do, which is, like, they'll have, like, their music playing behind them on the speaker or something, and then they'll be, like, yelling at you to pay them instead of singing, but, like, I don't know, man. I'm, I I have a complicated relationship with that sort of thing. But, and that's why I asked, as I was like, what are your thoughts? But, eh.
1: Um, I I know what you're talking about, of course. It's like, oh no, someone walked in my subway car, and now they're asking me for money. Um. Here we have, it's called The Owl, though. But uh, <laughs> But actually, weirdly enough, I don't usually encounter street performers that way. I think maybe it's happened once here. I think... I don't know why there just isn't usually street performance on the Ls. There's just beggars, which you know you get everywhere. But like it's really like in the theater district I account encounter street performers, and maybe mm-hmm. it's also like you know you remember more around the time that like something is happening, right? Um, and it's winter right now, so of course the street performers aren't really out anyway. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Whenever I'm in New York, I see way more street performance than what that I do here. Mm-hmm. But also it's because it's New York and it's way more dense anyway. I think you see no more street performance in New York probably than well, in LA you see the people who are dressed up as like spider man who take a picture of you and they go like that's forty dollars <laughs> like, that, that's what you get with and yeah, you get you have some of that in Times Square too, I know, but not to the extent yeah. I've seen in LA.
0: Well, I know I know in LA they also have like skateboarders and rollerbladers and everyone who's out there, but that, I don't know that's not like I don't think
1: they... I've ever seen that personally.
0: That sounds like something that's like in a movie. <laughs> No, well, I had two rollerbladers live in my apartment for a while. That was you like, lived in that L.A. Was their deal. No, here they were. They came in and they were doing a show in New York, and they lived in one of our rooms. Oh, cool. Um, that's not. That's really neither here nor there because they were doing a gig, and it wasn't like busking or anything like that. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, I know about that. I think that's it's in New York and it's in L.A. and it's, a, it's I don't know. It's in a few other places. Uh, something I would love to do, honestly, it's some, it's like a goal of mine is to put together some kind of performance that could be done in a busking way. But the big thing that keeps me from doing is, is I think you have to be, there has to be some, you know, what, what's the non obnoxious way to get people to come watch you? Where, where can you be so that people can see you, but you're not like invading their space, you know? And the Disney I mean, there's store. of course like having an act, but hmm? the Sorry, Disney store. dumb
1: joke. The Disney store. Like,
0: <laughs> is that what they do? They're like no. in your way. You or... could do it at like that pizza what place you took the me Disney to. Disney store.
1: It looked, like, like that area would be good. No, that area's terrible. That park's bad. Well,
0: uh, I mean, it's kind of uh, the I park think, like, by the Central place. Park Not is the a better place, place for it because. Yeah. Well, even the park by the pizza place, that's a very small park. That's my that's my problem with like street performances is you the audience should be able to leave. And so you're kind of that that's my that's my issue is like you need to be able to, you need to be able to have people like walk by you or avoid you if they don't want to listen to you. And that's that's my problem with I mean, I don't think you should take people hostage in subway cars no matter what. Um, but outside it's kind of difficult. Sometimes in subway stations, I think there are places that people set up that are like, okay, you know, you can like go around people and they're kind of at hubs, but you can still avoid them if you want to. That's, that's an important thing for me as an audience member. I should be able to leave.
1: We should, um, actually not anymore. Cause Drake Bell is probably going to jail, but, um, our Drake and Josh play would have been like a suetos street performance kind of, even though it was a house performance. What? Do you remember our Drake and Josh play? We kept pitching.
0: What about it, though?
1: It's kind of actually the opposite of street performance. Actually, when I'm thinking about it because I said it. I was like, "That's kind of like what, what we were saying we were gonna do in college." But I'm like, "Well, no, literally, it's the opposite because it's that I'd be inviting them into my own home, where they could leave at any time, sure, but it's my house, right?" So yeah, for the listeners who are unaware. Mark and I had this... Well, I don't... I, was it both of us? I think we both had this idea. Um, or was it like something where I was pushing it more? I don't know. Um, but it was like we'd we, write we a 22-minute long play.
0: What? I think we both had it.
1: Okay. It was, we right, were both, right, we were both minute,
0: contributing bits and things.
1: Yeah, it was a 22-minute long play where it's called Drake and Josh Houses an Existential Crisis where the bit would be that obviously Marcus, Drake, and I am Josh. Um... And we'd open it like a typical Drake. Like we'd find a Drake and Josh episode to like just rip the opening of it. And then like have them be like, wait a second. This sounds like something I said before. And it be about them discovering that they're in a rerun of an episode. But the actual bit of it to me was that it would be performed in our house where we'd say, we'd like take down sight lines. It was like, just make sure we can use this area. that you guys can stand wherever you want to watch this. You can We want you to follow us around and watch this. But then when mm. the commercial breaks would come, we would just freeze in place for like three minutes. And then we'd come back and we'd like do the part where it's like, they repeat the line that was just before. Uh, I remember we
0: couldn't yeah. figure out how to end it. That seems to be the big yeah. issue. Was like, what is the resolution?
1: I mean, the but. resolution should be... Honestly, now that I'm thinking about it now, here's, here's how I'd resolve it now. Is you think it's over... But then five minutes later, the whole thing starts over again. And It's like, oh my god, they're just repeating the same episode we were just in, and then you yeah. have a nice little two act structure to it. And then you find a way to end that. Now that like you, there's no acceptance. There's a way to try to break the cycle instead.
0: Yeah, actually, maybe the
1: second time you run for the episode.
0: Yeah, I do. I actually am thinking of a spectacular thing that could be part of it, but I don't want to say it on air in case we dig this we up again do this? <laughs> yeah. yeah well because well, we, I, I we never we could figure out how, do how end it, to end it but now i think i might like oh this is an actual thing that might be a way to end it but
1: but i will know. say that i think if we ever did do it now i'd want to pick a different basis show um yeah drake bell is uh, yeah this <laughs> yeah. is what happens
0: if you you miss out on these moments in time when people haven't been canceled yet so you can't make fun of them but yeah
1: well, i mean i think there's plenty of there's Plenty of uh, other options of we could even just switch to iCarly, you know. Even though we are we're men, so maybe not iCarly, but I'm sure there are other options. <laughs> the,
0: the Spencer and freddy episode. <laughs> Where is everybody? Well, Why we are we Meghan here?
1: We we had Megan in ours. We had we had an idea to have Megan in ours, and we had an actor in mind for it. But yeah.
0: So are you Spencer or am I Spencer, and you're Freddie? I mean, I feel like I don't know. I, be I think Spencer. we're both
1: Spencer. That's the thing. Like our identity. I think we both. Would be. Whereas Drake and Josh is so obvious. You're Drake, and I'm Josh. Especially because you can play the guitar. Um, mm-hmm. But like for Freddie, I don't think. I think you have. I think I'm shorter than you. But you need to be like really short to be Freddie. I hate to be like body type casting, but I do think like he should be really small. Because the thing. Okay, here's the thing. Is like Spencer is like the gawky weirdo. So, that would be what I normally play, but I don't think that Freddie should be taller than Spencer. That's where I'm at. I don't mm-hmm. think it makes a good stage image. So, whereas Drake and Josh, it's obvious, like, okay, I'm the more like because like, it's also like we had this bit where it's like the thing you would we would sing the theme song together, but like you would sing it like decently. And, like, playing the guitar, and i just do, like, Josh being, like, dancing badly to it and be like, if you open up your mind, <laughs> like, you know, like, do it really bad. And, like, oh, yeah, be the I remember bit. we learned that. You know what we and like, ooh, what you know we could have done the second time with like the theme song. I'd be like, no, stop playing the guitar, stop it, knock it off, knock it off. You'd be like, I can't stop playing the song, (laughs) and we just have a back the backing track going of it.
0: (laughs) What if each act is us doing a different set of characters? Like it starts with Drake and Josh, then it's Spencer and Freddie, but then it's in the third act, it's Sam and Cat, which I've never seen. I've never seen again. But category. like that seems like the next leap.
1: Well, I think the I think the answer is, you know, I think the better way to do this high concept one is you start with Drake and Josh, but then you go to a different you, you pretend the channel was switched. And so you can't be someone from Nickelodeon. You gotta be like, um Zack and Cody, right? Like I think that's the end. Like the second act is <laughs> Zach Zack and Cody. And then maybe the third act, um the third act. I don't know. This is pop my head. The third act, you, like we get Julius to show up as playing Andrew WK, <laughs> and <laughs> it's being like it's destroyed, destroy, build, destroy. We're like, oh my god, it's a game <laughs> show now. <laughs> like it's a it's a bad live action cartoon network game show.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's fine, but I th- I think it should be Julius's dream. I think no matter <laughs> what, that's
1: just the reveal. <laughs> is at the end, like we go like. Maybe this is it. And we just w- lead the audience to Joyce's bedroom where Joyce is asleep. And suddenly wakes up and we just, we just disappear. <laughs> and Joyce goes, That was weird. <laughs> like, he, looks, he looks at the audience he's like, Boy, what a Charlie Brown dream. It's all right
0: now. <laughs> so he wakes up and he doesn't know the name of the show. <laughs>
1: he's like, I just had a great dream about the Sopranos. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, dumb bit. are we done talking about one man band? No,
1: I think we can talk about it. More. We can get back to it. The, there's some more stuff to talk here, I think. I do. Like, I like, like one thing I want to mention, which isn't really about the short, but I do think the Wikipedia page is interesting. So if you look at the Wikipedia page, obviously there's a poster on top, Then you scroll down, and there's a picture of the co-director in 2006. Are you looking at this?
0: um yeah i remember he was like wearing some top button unbuttoned shirt that's all yeah, I remember i'm just confused
1: it. why he has a picture on this page i
0: don't know does he have a picture does he have his own page that's what i wondered when i saw that is like does he have his own i Wikipedia don't think he page? does
1: but what's weird is he is actually i believe i will double check i believe he's an oscar-nominated film uh, an oscar-nominated filmmaker for a film he did uh, we'll get to it don't worry it is on our detour list Mm -hmm. But I believe he's Oscar nominated for a short film he directed like on his own away from Pixar. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, he is. For a film called Weekends, we'll eventually get to and cover. But, um, so I think it's interesting he doesn't have a pay. I mean, I get why because you know what Mark Andrews goes on to do, right?
0: Yeah, Brave.
1: Yeah, he kicks Brenda Chapman off Brave going, this is a man's studio. Running that bridge to get that guest if he ever wants to come on.
0: <laughs> um, he should come on and explain himself.
1: Be like, how are you, like, imagine we're just like, we're like, we keep inviting people on, like, actual filmmakers on top of Pixar, and like, how if you were like, so how complicit were you in the whole Laster thing? <laughs> and I was just like, wait, what? And I'm like, no, 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 we're, we're serious. Like, we we want to know. And they're just like... Uh, like it's constantly like we do that.
0: They, I don't want to get into fights with people.
1: It'd be exciting though. Um, I do also want to mention, even though I guess it's kind of self-explanatory, I I missed something watching this on Disney Plus. Did you miss it too? The dubbing credits. I missed them. There are no They're dubbing credits.
0: There's no audio. I, I mean, know that's no... what I'm saying.
1: I miss them. Yeah. Maybe it'd be nice to have them.
0: Oh well then. Fun fact: The I believe it's either the end credits music or it's like included is the music that is played at some point during the short is called Zagoner Weiss, and it's also the name of a Seijin Suzuki movie from like the '80s or something. Uh, so that was cool. I also thought I really like the music.
1: I think I like the music at the end, where I guess that's the song you're talking about. I'm not really a big fan of the guillacino score I think it's fine I think it's definitely out of its comfort zone but I feel like a score a sh- a short like this should have like something that like afterwards I'm humming to myself you know if it's like this big jazzy one man like band thing I should be able to like think afterwards like like I should have um I'm trying to think of a like I don't
0: well, know I, I think was like, do
1: actually p- these shorts have any Makachi songs besides Boundin and of course Lava when we get to Lava
0: Uh, well, I think that it's so character-based, and it's about moving the plot forward. I would be kind of surprised if it had something really catchy.
1: I do think there's one really fantastic joke in here. I already kind of mentioned the beginning of it, but it's like, the guy, the girl points to the violin, she wants the violin, the other guy snatches it off But That's not what's funny. What's funny is her playing it and realizing it's out of tune. Because it's a joke that's not really funny if you're a kid, but if you're an adult, it's like, ha ha, that guy has been playing an out-of-tune violin this entire time on his like one-man band thing.
0: That doesn't make any sense, because we've heard him play fine.
1: But it's funny! Rule of funny.
0: What is this rule of funny that you always whip out when there's like a joke that has a punchline, but it doesn't really... there's no setup?
1: <laughs> I mean, my punchline, personally, is always, it's funny because it's really funny you know what i realized recently i don't know if i started exactly what i mean i don't know if i started doing it on this podcast i started doing it somewhere else i don't know where i picked this up i don't know who i'm mimicking but i've realized a lot recently like at work and i think on here i'll be like you know there's this bit it's funny and i just like move on and i say funny like that like it is designed like i'm referring to the bit as funny like like you know, it's the funny part of it, and then we just move on. I don't know where I picked up, like, the weird pronunciation of it. I don't know who I'm making. It's driving me a little crazy on the inside.
0: I don't know. Maybe we'll encounter it. This seems like one of those deep things that you wouldn't know exactly where, but it's, like, far I do in your think, childhood. I think it's
1: something recent. Like, a part of me thought about uh, the podcast that must not it be It sounds and I like Christoph was Waltz. Too... It might be. I was thinking it might be, um... One of the hosts on the podcast I'm not allowed to talk about on this show, but you know I've been listening to a lot of it recently, and I'm like, no, he he doesn't say it. He doesn't ever say something like that. It's he goes like, you know, it's funny, but he doesn't do that. It's funny, <laughs> which is what I like. The I'm more very you talk happy.
0: about it, the more I feel like I've heard that before. And originally, I was like, what what do you mean? But now I'm like, wait, no, that that is maybe from we'll something. find it
1: out. What will we find out first? This or whatever the flash game that I played. <laughs> that reminded me of Strawbs' fun special I
0: never, I never want to think about that again. <laughs> um, man. Wow, now it's in my head. I don't know. Oh, we'll think about. Well, it. Well,
1: you know, it's funny. So, <laughs> um, yeah. before shall we give, we give this something? film something? Well, we can give it something, but I do want to do one thing. Bef- well, we can give it something, then we can do what I want to do before we're done. So yeah, we'll give it something. We'll give it something.
0: Okay.
1: Um I will give it an inexplicable. So, okay. So, the Criterion Collection just announced their new DVDs for the next month. I don't know if you saw this. They're doing I a 4K release of The Fisher King and Oh yeah, something they're putting else? out Small Axe. Well, that that was a good one I was excited about. They're putting out but they're doing a release of Fisher King and something else that I can't remember right now. Maybe I should look it up so I'm not stupid. But it is like a title that like obviously it's was already in the collection. seventh seal. Yeah, Seven seventh seal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. One, that one's like yeah, that's the most obvious. Yeah, but then they're also doing Triangle of Sadness, which I'm like, ugh, come on. I guess it, it, I guess it won the Palm, but like that's probably one of the worst Palm winners I've seen. Granted, I haven't watched a lot of Palm winners, but I'm sure. I it's... really need to
0: watch Tri- Triangle of Sadness. So I love that Triangle guy's other films.
1: If if you like Triangle of Sadness, Mark. I will come after you because I think it does everything you complain knives out does, but way worse. I, be- I believe that's possible. So, I'm, Have
0: you seen the square?
1: No, I haven't. I've seen, I do like force majeure. I've seen force majeure. Because I, do like I don't
0: Major. like force majeure, but I love the square.
1: Well, I haven't seen the square.
0: Maybe, maybe this was, will just tear us like, apart, okay. and that's all, you know.
1: I'll be honest. Here's the thing, and I've said this to people before, and maybe it makes me xenophobic. I don't think so. I think it's just a fact of life and how I like watching movies. This is and the third really-
0: time you've done this. This episode, you're like, what? I, don't, I don't, I don't mean to be homophobic, but I don't, I don't. You, you've like done three different things like this. What on earth Ooh. is this about Finnish people? Don't like
1: foreign, I don't like watching foreign movies or docs at home. I can't pay attention to them. It's so hard for me. I find it so hard to pay attention to them at home, personally.
0: I prefer foreign movies because I cannot tell if people are acting well or not.
1: I mean, I like foreign movies in general, but I just like seeing them at the theater. Like, I know, part of me, I know a lot of people who are defending Bardo. I don't know if I'm actually in a poverty around it or not, but I do have a pencil on my calendar. Like, this is the night a theater downtown is showing Bardo. If you want to see Bardo, this is when I will go see it. If I want to see Bardo, this is when I'll go see it. Because I know I cannot watch a three-hour Injury 2 film. Honestly, in general at home. <laughs> like Because Injury 2 is not a filmmaker I can be into that much. But especially when it's like... I'm going to be reading the whole time. I can't do that at home. I, I'm just too sleepy when I'm like in my room. And I'm like... Ugh. like I can't pay... Like, I remember I tried to watch last year... I bring this up because I wanted to watch The Square before Triangle of Sadness. I just couldn't find a time where I'd be awake enough for it. And last year I tried to watch The Great Beauty. Because The Hand of God was a big movie. And I just kept falling asleep during it. And I tried to watch, um before I watched Broker this year, I tried to watch Marbarosi, which I'm sure is a great film, but I kept falling asleep during it. And I don't, I just, I can't stay awake at home. I don't know why.
0: Cancelled. Yeah. I probably, this is so wild because truly I feel like, I don't know, this has never really come up for us. I feel like if it weren't for foreign films, I would have so little to watch.
1: I mean, I barely watch anything at home anyway. Right now I'm watching Brendan Fraser movies at home. And Pixar movies for this podcast. What
0: if what if Bong Joon Ho just like burst through your window right now, like the end of Friday the Thirteenth Part Two? You know,
1: I would I would gladly be made fun of by Bong Joon Ho. I I think what I'm saying is not I, I I it is bad. But I don't think it's, th- I think me yelling at Guillermo del Toro for not campaigning for a different movie in this episode is way worse than me saying, I found it hard to watch a movie with subtitles at home. because I find watching a movie with subtitles in the theater, phenomenal. I'm always like, I saw Broker in a theater, it was fantastic. I saw EO, loved it. I saw, like, I think my top 10 of the year right now currently has like three, four films on it, which is incredibly unusual for me to like actually have seen that many. And I'm like, yeah, this is great. All Quiet, I think is the third one off the top of my head. Um, oh, four! If um Decision to Leave is also there too. And like all these movies I love watching a the theater, but like it's like, do you wanna rewatch Decision to Leave at Home because you have movie? And I'm like, Do I? <laughs> do I <laughs> like that's really where it is. Like, do I wanna rewatch Decision to Leave at Home? Can't we just re-release it after it gets to that Oscar? Round?
0: That's so crazy. Like how I connect with my girlfriend is we'll like send each other some Korean film the other one is seen like a billion times, and it's like all right, prepare to read Korean subtitles or whatever. Like I, mean,
1: I can I I, 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 I but again, you're worried you, like you are, every are you way in which I I think like you're I responding just like films. I'm like I don't watch foreign films why would I want to do that? Which is not what I'm saying.
0: <laughs> no, I'm just I don't know. It's, it's intriguing. I'm not going to cancel you. I'm but- sure
1: whenever Mickey 7 comes out, I will try to watch Ever the Host or Memories of Murder at Home. But, like, I have Drive My Car on Criterion. I have no intention to ever really open that. I saw that movie three times in theaters.
0: R.I.P. So what are you what are you going to give?
1: You're oh, wait, wait, yeah, yeah. Gonna yeah gonna so the Criterion. <laughs> the Criterions, all right? So what I will do yes. for One Man Band is I won't give you know what I won't give it a criterion obviously that's a short film why would I do that but what I will do is give it a limited press from Mondo of the soundtrack on vinyl because even if I don't really like the soundtrack I think it'd be cool to have like a little vinyl pressing of it that's basically it that's where I was leading with that is like Mondo is kind of like the vinyl like the movie soundtrack criterion I feel like for vinyl
0: hmm interesting you're such a put soundtrack guy.
1: Well, I don't, I don't collect vinyl, but I just always look at their covers. And I'm like, ooh, I wish I collected vinyl.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna give it that copy of Small Axe, because I
1: <laughs> a, I want a copy of Small Axe when it's on yeah. sale. Yeah, I mean, I, I you can have one costs,
0: too if you like, but you know, how much
1: is it retail for? I'm curious. I'm gonna look it up right now because I'm many, sure it costs more get than 50 the average. Dollars.
0: What? Fifty dollars.
1: Oh, that's a good deal. That's a what? really good deal for Small Axe. What I assumed it? it'd be like sixty or seventy.
0: I just made that number up. No, it's up. eighty, dude. It's eighty. Yeah. Okay.
1: But it'll be forty during the sale. So. Well, I'm gonna
0: give it small x because despite one or two quibbles, I overall had a positive experience and I recommend it.
1: I like small x too. Four four out of five movies, I think I gave like a four or higher to. I don't like Alex Weidel. Yeah. Well, I think, well, I think that's
0: bad. the one that everyone is kind of like, Meh. Yeah. But I thought education.
1: My thing was with that is I feel like Alex Weedle made a lot of people give up on it. I think education is arguably like the second best in the collection. Um, education mm-hmm. like moves me tremendously emotionally. A lot oh. of people are like, why is there a five minute sequence of just House of the Rising Sun? I'm like, no, it's beautiful cinema. I love this. This is great. Yeah. Anyway, education is good. Everyone should check out that. And everyone should just check out Small Axe in general. Honestly, it's really great. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't know if
0: I could, like, recommend... Because each each episode I liked for a different reason.
1: Yeah, I mean, you should watch, really, the whole thing. But I just, like... It's really more like, if you don't like Alex Weedle, please continue. Like, don't just stop. Watch. Mm. A lot of people, I feel like, only watch the first three because they heard Alex Weedle was bad. That's kind of it, you know?
0: I'll I'll tell you, I've watched everything except for Alex Weedle, but I skipped over it. But I'm glad Uh you watched
1: Education. I feel like a lot of people didn't watch Education, is my point. Yeah. So. Um... I did want to add something at the end, which might be a little annoying to you to jump back to Letterboxd game. But I have been doing this recently. I want to keep up with it. I like it. Saying the movies I'm removing from options that were, like, the runners-up to being most popular. Can I say that? The movies I have to remove now that won't be in these lists anymore from popular to least popular. So, I also think it's interesting to, like, examine, like, the Letterboxd popularity thing. Because I do think it's, like... So, the ones I'm removing are After Sun, Babylon, um... Ticket to Paradise, Strange World, Lyle Lyle Crocodile, Anti-Mame, and Scrooge.
0: That's from mm. the most popular, least popular. I think you saw Lyle Lyle Crocodile?
1: I thought it was great! <laughs> Javier Bardem is on my supporting actor ballot.
0: Wow. That movie was like posting casting things around here forever
1: you should watch the opening scene of Lila Crocodile because you'll 100% understand immediately. while I'm like, okay, like, this is fun. Because it's like, most people would cast Hugh Jackman or, like, Ryan Reynolds in that role. And this movie's like, nah, we're going to get Javier Bardem in this. And he completely commits to it. And it's such a joy to see him, like, playing a fun role. You know?
0: Because
1: yeah. dudes always are in, like, bad Oscar bait or, like, really heavy dramas I feel like or he's a mm-hmm. Bond villain or like or he's a blockbuster villain in general so it's like it's nice to seem like in a mainstream movie just playing a wacky street performer I dig it alright yeah. what do we do next time alright next time you would think we're getting the Cars nope because Cars releases on I guess I should have left it open because I was mm-hmm. going to say June 6th I feel like I feel like it's It comes out on... No, it doesn't, because June 6th is on... June 6th is 666. (laughs) I don't think think that was going to happen for a Disney movie. Mm -hmm. Wow, Cars came out the same weekend as The Omen. Think about that. Okay, so Cars opens on June 9th, 2006. However, there's a film that premieres at the Anarchy International Animation Film Festival on June 5th, 2006, called Ollie's Chance. This is a detour episode. And it's a film that's co-directed by someone we really like on this podcast, Sashka Unseld. Ah, all right, great. We'll be watching Ollie's Chance.
0: Awesome, next that'll time be great. On our
1: detour. Yep, and then after that, of course, is Cars. So, all right, yeah. pay
0: your street performers. Looking for the Ocean is produced by Mark Young and Danny Vincent. Our original artwork was done by Sarah Kanoff,
1: and each episode is edited by me. If you'd like to be notified about new episodes, you can find us on Facebook at Looking for the Ocean of Pixar Journey, on Twitter at Pixar Journey, on Instagram at Looking for the Ocean Pod, and on our website, com. If you want to know what I'm up
0: to, or find me on social media, you can head over to markyoungperformer.com. If
1: you'd like to see all my takes on all the movies you can find me on letterboxd at if you'd like to hear me on another podcast i also have the snub club a podcast about film history we'll see you next time see you next time